Hi, I'm Rachel, and you're listening to the Tipsy Traveler podcast, where we talk about cocktails, travel stories, and how-tos. Let's get started. Yo, what up? (laughs) This is the second episode of the Tipsy Traveler podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about my very first international trip and kind of how I planned it, which to be fair, was not my idea. And I actually begrudgingly agreed to it because I was kind of a moody teenager, but we're not going to start there today. Today, we'll start with our cocktail. I think that might be a good start to the podcast. So that way you can sip and drink if you'd like while you listen. So our cocktail today is called the Tinto de Verano, which I actually just discovered this. I did not drink this while I was on my very first trip. My first trip, I was 16 years old, so I didn't drink at all that I remember. But I did discover this drink, and supposedly it's a Spanish drink, but it's literally just half wine, half lemon flavored soft drink. So I use Sprite, but you could probably use Mountain Dew or really anything that's kind of lemony, limey. I've got to say this drink, if you don't know me, wine is like my favorite. So this drink really is amazing. It's very (laughs) springtimey. It's something that you want to sit on your back porch in the sunshine and like sip on. I definitely highly recommend trying it, especially as the days get warmer. It's almost like a spritz, like a wine spritz. I mean, I guess it technically is. Um, I don't know the technical definition of what a spritz is, but from my understanding, it's wine in any kind of bubbles. So this would fall in that category, but definitely give it a try. Let me know what you think of it. You can garnish it with a little lime or lemon. It's super refreshing and lovely. (laughs) And like I mentioned, I think it's a Spanish drink that's why we chose it, but it doesn't take too much. You probably already have those two things on hand or can get them really quickly, which right now, given life circumstances, would be really convenient. You wouldn't have to go and try and find some random obscure ingredient. Just wine and Sprite. So let's hop right into it. Um, My very first international trip happened when I was 16 years old. And I think actually this might not be entirely honest because I did go on a cruise when I was a child and we definitely stopped in Mexico. I must have been seven or eight. But to be honest, all I really remember from that trip is getting chicken tenders with my brother and sitting in the hot tub watching a movie. So I didn't feel like that was a good (laughs) first international trip because I really remember nothing of Mexico. And I don't even think we needed a passport at that time. I think back then, (laughs) back then as if I'm like 85, but when I was a child, when you went on cruises, I don't think that you needed a passport. I think you were able to get on and off the ship without it. So I don't think we had one, but my first international trip that I actually remember and count as an international trip was when I was 16. I think I mentioned in my last episode that I was lucky enough to go to Europe. Um, We actually went to England and France and I went with my dad and some of my friends. So I hope these friends are listening. They'll definitely remember this trip too. I think it was all of our first trip to Europe. So pretty memorable for us. And just to name drop real quick, those friends were Anna, Allie, and Elena. We are all really close in high school. And my dad offered to take us all on this trip. My brother didn't go and I don't really remember why. It might have been something like his spring break didn't line up with mine. Something you should know about my brother, which is like pretty ironic, is that he really doesn't like to travel. He is a larger guy. He's like 6'4 and pretty like set. So he does not enjoy being in contained spaces and that includes cars and planes and just really doesn't like planes at all. It's actually like 
very terrified, which as a younger sister always made me really happy because it was something I could tease him about. (laughs) Adam, if you're listening, I'm sorry and I love you, but also come on, like, it's one of the only things I can tease him about. But either way, whether it was because he was busy or because he hates to travel, my brother was not on this trip. So it was my dad, me, and three of my friends. A couple weeks before we left, maybe a couple months, I don't actually remember the timeline on it, but my dad decided that he wanted to teach us how to plan an international trip instead of just going and depending on him to know when and where and how to get to places, he wanted us to do it. We all were given two days to kind of map out and plan. So everything from which metro to get on, going from our hotel to our first tour to which tours we were actually going to take on those days. And we had to coordinate with each other as far as like what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go. So that way we weren't all planning the same day over and over again, you know, like wake up in Paris, go to the Louvre, go to Notre Dame, and then the Eiffel Tower, and that's it. Go back to the hotel every single day. We all had to kind of coordinate and be like, okay, I'm planning to go to the Eiffel Tower. So you take, you know the Louvre, you take Notre Dame, you know, split everything up so that way we weren't repeating the same day over and over again. But it was really great. And honestly, like as a 16 year old, I had never given any thought to public transportation. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, where you don't really take the bus and you don't really walk anywhere. So I always was in a car. And at that point, I didn't have my own car, which means I was always in someone else's car. So I didn't have to know how to get anywhere. I just told whoever was driving where I needed to go, aka my parents, and we went there and I didn't have to give any thought to direction, which way it was north, how long it took to get places. I just knew I had to get in the car and that was it. So this was one of the first times I had to think through, okay, this metro goes north, I need to go south, so that means I need to go across the other platform. Also, if you know much about Memphis, there is a very ding bus system, but definitely not a metro. I mean, (laughs) no kind of subway or anything like that. It would just be unheard of in the South, I guess. So definitely my first experience with the tube in London and the metro in Paris, I was overwhelmed, but in the best way. And it was also really nice because we had weeks leading up to the trip to plan everything out. I'm so spoiled. I'm realizing as I'm talking about this that like I have been so spoiled by technology because this was before any of us had iPhones. Actually, that's not true. Allie did have an iPhone. One of my friends had an iPhone, but it was definitely like one of the earlier generation iPhones. And I don't even remember Google Maps being a thing. It definitely could have been, but I was not tech savvy enough to know about it. So we planned this all out on MapQuest or with a paper map or an online copy of the Metro or subway lines. We really had to do a lot of research before we went because I'm 16 and I don't speak French. So when I was in Paris and my dad would look to us because that was the deal was he would look to us and be like, okay, it's your day. Like, how do we get from point A to point B? And you had to know. And if you didn't know, you had to make your best guess. And of course, he wasn't going to let us just completely get lost in a horrible part of Paris or anything like that. But he definitely would let us make wrong decisions and get on the wrong bus. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.
But overall, it was our responsibility to know where we are going and how we are getting there. So looking all of that up and doing all of that research beforehand is definitely what laid the foundation for me to be able to plan trips. And obviously, I don't do that anymore. Like anytime I go on a trip now, it's not like I'm planning out my day in detail and trying to figure out how I'm getting from every single lunch spot back to the hotel because now I don't have to. I have Google Maps. I have an iPhone in my pocket. I can call an Uber to pretty much wherever. So it's not as needed, but I will say it gave me the courage and the know-how and the ability to navigate in a city where I've never been and where I don't speak the language, which has been absolutely game-changing for me. There have been so many cities where I show up and I'm like, great, don't speak Spanish. They don't have a metro or an easy bus system to figure out. So how do I figure it out? Like, how do I piece it together and get where I'm going? And I'm not saying that I'm an expert by any means at not getting lost because I still do make wrong decisions as far as which direction to go. But I will say that I'm a lot more aware now of where I am in a city. I can look at a map and be like, okay, great. Like I'm facing this way. The water's that way. I know that the water has to be south because of A, B, and C. So therefore we're going north. I definitely did not have those abilities before we went to Europe. But other than the logistics of the trip, which definitely impacted the way that I travel and the fact that I travel at all, I do want to share some of the more fun stories that I remember from that trip because it was kind of magical. I don't mean magical in that everything went perfectly because we definitely got pickpocketed and I don't mean to name any names, but my friend Allie was the one who got pickpocketed the most, I'm pretty sure. I maintain my no pickpocketing streak. I don't think I've ever been pickpocketed anywhere, so I feel pretty proud of that, not gonna lie. What I mean by is that feeling when you're a child and you wake up on Christmas morning and you see that box that you know is the box that you're waiting for. It is that guitar, it is that basketball, it is that bicycle, that one particular thing that you been asking for all year and that you were really hoping is in the box and you see that box and you know it has to be that box because of the way it's shaped. You know what I mean? Like that kind of feeling of magical. That's what my first trip to Europe was like. It was like every little thing, even the things that went poorly, I still believed that this box was the box that I was waiting for. So besides being pickpocketed, which I think only happened twice if I remember correctly, which given this was like a decade ago, so I'm doing my best to remember what actually happened. But one of the other things that I remember remember like very vividly is an opera that we went to. While we were in charge of planning overall, my dad did buy some tickets to some particular things and we would have to figure out how to get to that particular venue, but he did choose some of the tours or shows that we went to. I think mostly he was trying to culture us and push our boundaries because obviously four teenage girls were not going to choose to go to an opera. Or if you are a teenage girl that would choose to go to an opera, like good for you. I'm really proud of who you are as a person. (laughs) So my dad had purchased tickets to go to an opera one night in Paris. And from what I remember, it was one of our last nights, not our very last, but one of our last. And we were all kind of grumpy at that point. We had been going and going and going from tour to tour to museum to museum. And it was just kind of exhausting in the best way. And so we might have been a little bit grumpy. And it was a late night opera. I think it started at like 930 or something ridiculously late. So we show up and obviously we knew that the opera was going to be in French. We're in Paris. And we notice 
as we're sitting there like waiting for the show to actually start that there are a lot of children around and we're like okay 9 30 opera with kids in the crowd like that seems strange but whatever and then the show gets going and it feels like a fever dream that's the only way I know how to describe it obviously again it's all in French so we pick up bits and pieces but we definitely don't know what's going on but from what I remember and what I could pick up in French there was a pig and they were going to kill the pig to eat the pig but the peacock was really good friends with the pig and so the peacock was trying to save the pig's life and I am not making this shit up this was actually what we thought was going on on stage which I'm pretty sure was what was going on on stage because all the kids were laughing and cheering and clapping and it was very obviously a kids show like a kids opera maybe but not meant for adults like the adults there were there with their children and so we immediately started feeling very uncomfortable. We couldn't leave because the way that it was set up, everyone would see us. And so we really had no other option but to sit there and take it. (laughs) Just watch the show and suffer through. And it was really, it ended up being really, really funny to us because obviously we had no idea what was going on. And so it just got funnier and funnier that we weren't supposed to be there, but we were very obviously there. And I think people around us started catching on that we were American and had no clue what was going on, which was even better. But overall, definitely an experience to remember for sure. Something else that happened during this trip that I actually remember quite fondly and not as a fever dream of a children's opera in French was a play that we went to in London. And we were in the very last row, and I mean in the very last row, pressed up against the back wall in this dinky little theater in London. And I don't remember the name of the play because obviously that's not what stuck with me. What did stick with me was that Kira Knightley was in the play, which I always kind of use as like my claim to fame. I'll tell people, oh yeah, one time I hung out with Kira Knightley in London, which hung out is used loosely there. What I mean by hung out is I sat in the very back row of a play that she was in and could barely see her, but knew that it was her. If you ever ask me for like two truths and a lie, I will probably use that I hung out with Kira Knightley as a truth, which is more of an exaggerated truth than an actual truth. But it was really cool to see her act and also like go to a play that I could understand and not one that was in French meant for children. Another thing that I remember quite fondly from this trip is our day at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. We actually climbed all of the steps all the way up to the top and then on our way down they started mass. (laughs) So we came out of the staircase which if you've ever been there the staircase kind of empties like right at the back of the sanctuary. I don't know what the technical term is in a Catholic church but right there where they hold mass that's kind of where you're let out from the staircase. And so we get to the bottom and we're like, okay, guess we're gonna go to mass. So we just sat down and I think that might have been my first ever mass. And it was kind of interesting because everyone else there didn't seem to be tourists. They seemed to be people who went to mass regularly. And so they knew when to sit and when to stand and when to sing and when to speak. And we knew none of that. So we just kind of fumbled our way through it. But it was an interesting experience. And then right after that, we went across the street to this pizza place. And I remember this vividly because of how delicious it was because they had fried Nutella balls. Like, I don't know how else to describe them. I'm sure they were called something a little catchier than fried Nutella balls, but that's what I remember them as, is these little balls of dough with Nutella inside. 
and they made me so happy. I dream of them regularly. Um, I'm obsessed with Nutella, so it's not super surprising, but I just remember after climbing the like 600 steps at St. Paul's, going outside and being so hungry and then eating fried Nutella, and I was just about as happy as a girl can be. (laughs) I also remember going to a concert on our very last night in Paris, and the concert was at St. Chapelle, so a pretty famous church. It's really gorgeous, like gothic chapel with a ton of stained glass, and we were all so tired, and it was really warm in there, and they were playing this gorgeous classical music. I'm pretty sure it was like a cello concert. We all were trying not to fall asleep, and I, to this day, feel more guilty about that than like most things in my life because I remember how gorgeous of a building it was and how special of a moment to be in Paris listening to this gorgeous music and then not be able to keep my eyes open, like not even a little bit. A lot of my more recent trips will have a little bit more in detail stories because this trip again was like 10 years ago, so I'm struggling to piece together the things that I remember, but I definitely do remember the highlights that I've shared with you. I think this is a really great way too as um, our generation, millennials, (laughs) as we start to have kids, this is a really great way to train them up in traveling is to set aside a couple days of your family vacation and ask them to plan it to the best of their ability. Obviously, if they're six years old, that's not a super great idea, but especially as they become teenagers, especially if you trust them to drive a vehicle at home, it might be nice to have them try and figure out some of the logistics of your family vacation. And again, maybe not anything super crucial depending on their age, but it definitely taught me a lot about confidence in a foreign country, in a place where I really don't know what's going on to be certain of my decision making. So I highly recommend it as a tactic if you're looking for a way to encourage your kids to travel or um, teach them how to travel. I guess I should note that I have not replicated this. I do not have children. So while it did work for me, it may not work with your kids. I don't know them. So if it doesn't work or if it does, either way, let me know because that'd be great um, to get a little feedback on it because I think it's a really great way, but maybe it doesn't work for you and your family for some reason. And I would love to know that. So that's what I have for you today. A little bit about my very first international trip, how I felt and what we did. In future episodes, I'm going to be making more recommendations as far as where to stay, where to eat, anything else like that. Details about trips that I've taken. Unfortunately for this trip, I didn't really keep track of it because again, I was 16 and kind of an idiot. So I don't really remember where all we went or where all we stayed. I just kind of remember the highlights. So in the future, I'll definitely be doing a better job of sharing those details with you. But unfortunately for this trip, not really a possibility because I can't remember. Next week, our episode will be about Antarctica. I'm actually going to be breaking Antarctica up into three parts, maybe four, depending on how long I talk about each part. So next week is going to be about getting down to the bottom of Argentina to get on the boat, getting on the boat, and the Drake Passage on the way down to Antarctica. So kind of all of the logistics and good and bad and horrible that lead up to getting to Antarctica. Because if you've been or if you've researched it, you know know that it's difficult. So that's what I'll be sharing with you next week. In the meantime, I would love to hear about your favorite travels or your favorite things that you've done in the past. Obviously, right now, again, is not a good time to travel, so please stay at home. But I would love to hear your travel stories from years past or travel plans that you have coming up in the next year or two. Feel free to reach out to me on the Tipsy Traveler website or on Instagram at Greenhouse Photo Co. I'm looking forward to hearing more about you and your travel stories. See you later.